Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. You want a painless, passive, non-adventurous, cush life that nobody wants to hear about at the end of your days where you don't have a single fucking story to tell. You don't have a single scar on your heart. Your eyes don't tell a story. Is that what you want? Or do you want a fun, outgoing life full of adventure, full of stories when people sit around a campfire They want to hear what you got to say. When you're dead and gone, people are still talking about your life. If you want that, that takes some scars. That takes some battles. That takes takes some hooking and jabbing. That takes adventure. And that takes not being scared. That takes risk, chance, heartache, fucking misery. It takes all of that. It's called embracing the suck. And when you can embrace the suck... And make the most of it. You, my friend, are going to have a goddamn story to tell that people are going to want to listen to. But it's not going to be easy. And that's going to create growth. And that's how we grow. All those things that I just mentioned. The the hard times in life. The shit that we battle day in and day out. And we overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. That's where we fucking grow as human beings. We don't grow being passive. We don't grow from never experiencing pain or hurt and misery or loss. We grow from those things. I'm so fucking fired up right now. I just got a phone call from somebody I care about. And it was, uh, was, it was just good things. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave it at that. And 
I love when people take ownership of their shit and their life and they don't they stop with the excuses. They pull their pants up and they're like, you know what? This is mine to handle. I'm embracing this shit and I'm gonna make the fucking most of it. And that's exactly what just took place on that phone call. You can't beat that. And when you overcome shit like that, you got a story to tell. It's crazy because when things do suck, um, nobody wants to deal with it. Nobody, nobody enjoys being in a shitty moment. I don't, I don't think I've ever one time in any one of the shitty moments that I've lived through or been involved in, I never sat there and thought, man, this is fucking righteous and I'm going to have a story. It's not like that. Everybody that I know, when, when, when times get hard, most people fucking hate it. Unless you're, unless you're an exclusion to that. I don't know. But when, when things get really, really shitty, it's hard to, to switch gears and look at it from the positive side. It's hard to um, take a shit moment and turn it around right then. But, the, but to be honest with you, as hard as it is, that's what we need to do. You have to be able to see the good in the bad. And sometimes, sometimes that just takes a long time. And that's... That's what I realized over the years. You know, I I finally had to sit back or step back from the whole picture. And it happened through through the book writing process for me. When I was able to sit down and write about all these shitty things that happened, I could actually see the the trajectory in my life changing every single time. And it was I'm not wishing any of that would have happened, right? I, I, I would love for all of those bad moments to have never happened, but they happen and there's not a fucking thing I can do to change it. The only thing I can do is learn from those moments. And what I choose to do pressing forward from those moments will dictate the outcome of my life and how I lived my life. And that's, what's important to me. I'm not saying everybody out there should, should do what I do. But you got to be able to find the good and the bad. And unfortunately, I say this all the fucking time. It takes tragedy sometimes to promote change. It takes bad for good to happen. Good would not exist without evil. Evil would not exist without good. So it's a yin and a yang. It's a give and a take with those two. It's so easy To get down on ourselves when shit doesn't work in our favor. It's so easy when loss happens, when tragedy happens, when uh, we don't get promoted at work and we want to fucking point the finger at everybody else and be like, "Well, well, they promoted this person because of that. It's easy to beat ourselves up. And the problem is, it's just like trauma. When you stack trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma and it just keeps stacking up and you can never get away with it. Well, when you beat yourself up, you start believing that shit and you start believing that you're the victim. And it's hard to break out of that cycle, man. I, I've certainly been there. It, it is it is definitely a hard cycle to break. And, and you just become broken. And you become broken for for a long time. Unfortunately, I did. I became broke. I was broken for many fucking years. And I believed that my life was just shit. And I my, my I used to joke, and I'm like, when I die, put pour my ashes down the toilet. 
pour, just flush them down the shitter. That was a running joke because that's how I truly felt about my life. But I didn't see, I couldn't focus. I was too narrow-minded. And I think we all get like that. You can't focus on the good that lie ahead. There's a lot of time, hopefully, left in our lives. And every day counts. And we can go out and do something good every single day. You don't have to be on top of the mountain every day, but you can still be striving to make changes. You don't have to go out and rescue 100 people from a sinking fucking vessel to feel good and feel like you you did something notable. But what you can do is work on little indiscretions in your personal life, small victories, if you will, to become better. Just little things. People want to quit substance abuse. Look, you ain't got to stop cold turkey in one day. Slow it to fuck down and feel better about yourself. In one of those uh, past episodes, I talked about, you know, you'll hear people, they're going a 30 to 60 day non-drinking challenge. And all they look forward to is day 61 or day 31 when they get to drink again. And there's people out there with substances that don't do, you know, weed or cocaine, whatever it be, huff paint, whatever you fucking suck dick, whatever your thing is. You know, you don't do it for 30 days. And on the 31st day, you you would just indulge in it so much you damn near fucking die from it. You know, a lot of times uh, that suck that we talk about embracing, we create it. We volunteer to be there. I know when I was in the Marine Corps, I remember we used to bitch all the time. We were, we were, we were, uh, we were United States Marines. When I was a young man, I couldn't wait to be a United States Marine. It's one of the, they call it the few, the proud. And we have a certain um, arrogance about us. And we're so proud to be a Marine. But at the time we were Marines, a lot of us, we bitched about it. And we didn't want to be there because we were being told what to do, where to be. And, and the environment we lived in was shitty. We were living in the fucking woods and in the desert. And anywhere it was fucking raining, we were getting soaked, soaking wet. And and one one saying was always common, embrace the suck, embrace the suck. And I was like, fuck this suck. Fuck this sucks. Let's get the fuck out of here. And that's all we wanted to do. And I'm a big... I'm big into time, right? Like I'm always talking about the the amount of time we have. It's so fast. Before I knew it, four years was up in the, in the Marine Corps. And I would give anything to go back and spend a day with all of my guys in some of them shitty ass environments that we were in. Well, not now because I'm too old and like fat and lazy. But go back to my 18, 19, 20, 22 year old self. I skipped 21, but 21. And go back in time and be with those gents another go-round. We don't get any fucking do-overs. You don't get to do it over. You got to make the most of it right now. Everything we do, even the shitty moments, we got to make the most of them. As hard as it is. Because one day you're going to look back and you're going to be like, man, I'd give to go back to that shitty moment and just be with my people. Those character building days when you're absolutely broken and you feel like you've got nothing. But when you look around, you're surrounded by the people that you're in it with. And you can't build a better bond, a stronger bond than that with, with, with human beings. They say through suffering comes some of the strongest bonds a man will ever make. And that's when you suffer with like 
like-minded individuals or, or individuals that you go through an experience with, you can't, you can't recreate that. You can't break that. So I ask you, what's your story going to be? If you could write a book about your life, where would you start it? Would you start it at the point where things started sucking? Would you start it at the point where you were having a pity party for yourself? Or would you start it from right now? Or or not right now, but would you start it from the point where you overcame everything and you were triumphant? Everybody's story is different. But we all have a story to tell. I, I, I tell everybody, I'm like, man, I think everybody should write a book. And no matter if you publish it or not. But we all have a, a very unique story. We all have a fingerprint on this earth. And it's a beautiful thing. Some of us endure more than others. Some of us um, accomplish, I guess, uh, more than others in certain realms of life. And one thing that's always like gotten me like or bothered me and i'm i know i'm I'm certainly um i certainly do this too is envy right so we certainly we we all we're always envious of somebody else and it's hard how do you how do you stop that like when you see other people who you you believe because you don't know their fucking story you don't know how much they struggle you don't know what they went through to get to where they went through all you see is is the the product now we don't see the before you don't see the grind that a lot of people go through to get to where they went. All you see is what they have. And we, we, we put all of our focus on the material aspects of that. So what we envy is the material and we don't envy the suffering and the grind that a lot of people go through. We used to hear this in comedy all the time. It's like nobody made it to the top overnight because you hear outsiders are like, Man, that motherfucker just appeared from out of uh, overnight, out of nowhere, and that's not the case. That motherfucker was grinding for 20, 25 years in the shadows, in the trenches, in them shitty ass places, and then over the years, he was discovered slowly. Nothing happens overnight. Nothing worthwhile happens overnight. So we. I would, I would encourage people to not focus so much on being envious of possessions and what people have and where they are in life. Maybe step back and look at the struggle they had to go through and think about, would you want that? Because that's what it would take to be where that person is. And I know some very successful people and I certainly wouldn't want the fucking grind that they had. You know, we all have our own grind. You talk about envy, man. You talk about big leg gals. There's an old saying. <laughs> no man wants his own gal. He wants your gal. Because your gal might have a bigger leg than his gal. You know what I mean? That's um, Especially them southern boys. That's, we like the big leg gals. That's You ever hear a song called Big Legged Woman by Freddie King? Y'all, y'all need to go look that up. Watch. Freddie King is about to get a bunch of damn downloads on his song. Big leg woman. There's another one called big leg woman. I can't remember who sings it, but it says big leg woman. Keep your dresses down. You got stuff to make a bulldog hug a hound. Now that's some, that's some country shit. I'm excited because I'm working with a major, um, major department on, I can't say what department it is yet, but a major fire department, very big fire department on doing mental health training. And 
the reason is their peer support team was at it was at an event that that I did I taught at and they they see the need for this and I just got off the phone with the training department and, they, and an operations chief and they were like dude one of them told a story he says one of their peer support members who had been on the job 20 something years said this is the best training I've ever attended in my entire years as a, as a firefighter and this is what I mean. I'm not patting myself on the back. This is the exact conversation we had. The reason the training that we're doing is so well received is because nobody is fucking doing it. Nobody is even like, it's fucking sad. And that's the point of me talking about this right now. It breaks my it breaks my heart at the lack of training that departments are actually getting. This isn't me boasting about what I do. This is me complaining that there's not enough people with the stories talking about it. There's not enough men. There's not enough women in these professions, police and fire, actually talking about what they went through, their struggles, to help other people. And there's a lot of good in it, man. There's so much good in sharing your story. There's so much good in educating these younger folks coming up behind us. It's fucking sad to see the statistics of what's going on in our business with people hurting themselves the way they are. And we can fix it. We, the ones who have lived this shit, experienced it, we can turn this all around. But we have to be vulnerable. We have to be able to open ourselves up and talk about it. And however you structure that, it's how you do it. But it breaks my heart. And talking with this department, do you know how many retirees? This is, these are the words out of his mouth. He did it. They did a study, and they just went back and found out how many retirees killed themselves from this department. It the number is in the forties, in the fucking forties. That's as many retirees as they found out have killed themselves. These are old firemen that just felt like they had nothing left to give anymore and they took themselves out. You think this ain't a fucking problem? When we talk about military veteran suicide, 22 a day, everybody knows that number, 22, 22, 22 veterans a day, veterans a day. That's the veterans, all right? We're not talking about active service personnel. When we in the emergency service talk about suicides, guess what we're talking about? Active service personnel. Boots on the ground suicide. We're not talking about our emergency service veterans. You know why? We don't even know the numbers. They are fucking off the charts. Off the charts. For dudes like me who are retired or who got injured on the job and left the job, they disappear because the job forgets you. When you're gone, civilians, if you're listening to this, let me tell you something. It's no different than the corporate world. We got the brotherhood when we're on the job, but when we're off the job, you're off the fucking job. But there's an exception to few. Some people still t- stay tied to it. And I try to encourage that when I'm out there, like, hey, look, man, don't don't talk brotherhood. Fucking be about it. Include the people that paved the way before you. Because we wouldn't be where we are without them. But these old timers, man, they'll spend 20, 30, 40 years on the job and they get off the job and that job has completely identified them. And I did an episode about this in the past and they end up feeling like they have nothing left to live for. So they smoke themselves. It's fucking sad. And we can stop this just by training. When I train courses, I'm dude. Hey, everybody is welcome. When I do my courses, spouses and retirees, every single time invite all of them. If they don't come, that's on them. 
But if they come and you got a seat occupied, get off your feet and give one of these spouses or one of these retirees your fucking seat and go go stand against the wall if you're on if you're active duty service member in the fucking emergency services. We need these people to learn too. They need to understand it's just as important communicating this to them as it is to our active service personnel. Think about it, because if you're if you're active service right now, one day you're gonna be that old timer. And how would you feel if you're just left out in the cold? You wouldn't like it. Problem is, this job, a lot of times this job does that to us and it drives us to being left out in the cold and it makes us so miserable we don't even want to be around people. And we don't know how to be around people anymore. I watched my old captain, I wrote about him, John McGinnigal, in my book. I watched that guy become so sour towards the job. And I loved that man. He was a fucking great fireman. He was a wonderful captain. He treated me like gold. And we took care of him in turn. But when he was off the job, he was off the job. And 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 he he didn't want to come around a station. He didn't want to see anybody anymore. And I get it, man. The job does that to people. It um it uh it changes you. But we got to let these 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 old timers know that there's still a lot of love for them. And they got a lot to offer through their stories alone. You think about those 40 guys from that department that took themselves out. Each one of them had a story, each one of them had a history, each one of them had something to offer the younger guys and girls coming up underneath them and behind them. Like and they they potentially had a life-saving something, something that could impact somebody else's life if they were able to open up about it and talk about it. But but when we take that to our grave without ever whatever ever doing anything with it and we we have tools in this profession that are so detrimental to everyone behind us, but we don't share those tools. And those tools that I'm talking about, those are your experiences. Good, bad, or indifferent. Not just the war stories. Anybody can go out there and tell a war story to a fellow first responder or a military person sitting there having beers. I'm talking about the stories and that, that change lives. I'm talking about the intimacy, the intimate moments where you felt defeated and you ruined your own fucking life and you ruined other people's lives, but you found something and you were able to turn that around and it gives people hope. You see that phone call that I took this morning that I talked about in this episode was just about that. And that phone call, the person on the other end of that phone call said, you kicked me in the nuts and I know I can do it because you've done it. And that's what I try to tell people all the time. If my dumb ass can do it, if I can stop doing the harmful shit and make some good out of some bad, you can too. We all can. And we can do it together. That's the beautiful thing. We're here to lean on one another. And I told that brother, I said, you call me any fucking time you need, man. And I'm right here because you got to be about it. And I ask people all the time, I call them out in my course. I'm like, you about the brotherhood or, or you just say it? Is that just something you say? Because we got to take care of one another. That's all we are. All we have. Sometimes lessons learned the hard way are the only way we learn. And 
I was trying to think of something good to tell y'all about learning lessons the hard way. I got a million stories, but one sticks out in my mind where I learned in comedy real quickly. Never to take a fuck anybody's word over anything for anything. You just don't do it. When I was very young into my comedy career, I died a, uh, I'll just call him Dennis. <laughs> there's this, there's this old comic named Dennis. And I guess he saw me as a sucker. He saw me as somebody who was naive, who didn't understand the business yet. And he saw me as someone he could take advantage of. But you know what? This lesson was about to cost me $300. And it was probably one of the best lessons in comedy. I learned the hard way, the expensive way, but it never, ever, ever happened again. And I'm going to tell you what happened. Dennis um, convinced me to come out and do comedy in uh, Conyers, Georgia, which is outside of Atlanta. And he told me he's going to pay me 300 bucks. And uh, it was for a night of comedy. But prior to coming out to the event, I was at a comedy club and Dennis was there too. And he told me straight to my face, he goes, you always get your money up front in this business. He says, because if you do a private show, not when you're working clubs, clubs is different. Like when you do a comedy club, they always pay you at the end of the week. But when you do a private show, through a private promoter, you always get your money up front because he goes, they find ways to hustle you and then you'll be broke every single time. So Dennis about a week later invites me to Conyers, Georgia. I come to Conyers, Georgia to do this event. And instead of taking Dennis's advice and asking him for my 300 up front, I figured Dennis, there's no way he gave me the advice. There's no way he's going to fucking rip me off. But that's exactly what happened. See, Dennis was a crackhead and Dennis, after the event, I said, Dennis, can I get my money? He goes, oh, man, I forgot to go to the ATM. Let me run and go get that real quick. And I waited for three fucking hours and Dennis never showed up. <laughs> Dennis never came back and I had to leave the next morning. I had, I listen, so I, this is, I was broke as shit back then and I didn't have enough gas money to get back from Conyers because I was driving a V8 Tahoe gas guzzling bitch. And I didn't have enough gas money to get back. But fortunately for me, I had my girlfriend, who is my wife now. And uh, she had her debit card. Can you imagine how horrible that must have looked? She's coming with this guy. See, that's adventurous, right? I got a guy who's doing comedy. He's funny. He's fun. He don't give a fuck. He's rebellious. He's a fireman. And he has a big um, Tahoe. And to find out I didn't even have enough gas money to get home, I, that had to be quite repulsive. We we laugh about that shit now. But uh, so anyway, I kept calling Dennis and then it was go to his voicemail. And then he told me he was sending the money and, and he made up every excuse. And I realized Dennis was fucking me. So what I'm getting at is lesson learned. Sometimes you get burned, man. Sometimes in life you learn the hard way, but it's hard to understand what we really took from that situation. See, that never happened again. And I was put in multiple situations that I could talk about right now where I always got paid on the front, even when people were hesitant to do it. They were hesitant to do it because I knew they were going to rip me off. And it was a lot more than 300 back then. So thank you, Dennis, for ripping me off and teaching me a fucking lesson. See how you can find the good and the bad. The other story I could tell you, this is a story out of my book, is when I walked in on the girl that I lived with after four years getting fucked by another man. Uh, pardon my French. I'm now going to the Christian Network uh, with this podcast. I walked in on this shit after getting hurt. But you can you can read about this in my book. And I walked in on it. 
And it turned out to be one of the biggest blessings in my life. And I can't help but to see the good in it. Like I can close my eyes and relive that situation. It was honestly like front row seats to a porno is what I had, to be honest with you. Uh, walking in and seeing that big dick son of a bitch. Anyway. You got to see the good and the bad. You got to be able to do that. You got to be able to see, change your perspective and look at it through a different lens sometimes. Had that one event not have happened, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have my family that I have today. I wouldn't have had the experiences in life that I have because you see that event led me to other events in my life. That event led me to more bad events that were coming. And that's why I always tell you, you got to be prepared for more bad shit. So get your, get your boohoo in and you're feeling sorry for yourself after these bad events. Get that out of the fucking way. Because more of those days are coming. And we've talked about that in other episodes. So you might as well put a smile on your face and try to have some joy in your life. I think sometimes a lot of people overplan things. And they have and when their plans when their plans get rocked, they don't know how to react to that. And I think the best plan to have is not having any fucking plan at all sometimes. You you can overplan. There's a there's a difference between being prepared and planning. Being prepared is being ready for pretty much any kind of situation we can we can think about or whatever, you know, situation given at the time that we're facing. But planning, I get I get this shit all the time. People need schedules. I've, I've had, hey, can we schedule a date and a time to talk um, so we can talk about this? And I'm like, fuck no, motherfucker. I don't plan a goddamn phone conversation. Are you kidding me? Call me right now. What are you doing? It's so important right now. You can't pick up the phone and call me about something you want to talk about. I'm not planning to do this shit next Tuesday at three fucking clock in the afternoon. You know why? Because the mail baby getting dropped off at my house. And as a 43 year old man, the most important thing to me is checking the fucking mail every day. I've become that guy and I'm not planning a phone call and missing the fucking mail. So I work on the fly a lot. I do a lot of, um, just flying by the seat of my pants and I'm not saying that's the right way, but I think a lot of people over plan and when plans go wrong, they don't know how to react. Piss poor planning prevents piss poor performance. You ever hear that bullshit? It's like, look, look, I've seen plenty of motherfuckers over plan. And when the plan goes not as planned, there's zero performance. So take that and kiss my ass. Um, what I'm getting at is this. When it comes to mental health, you can't map out your future. You can't have the perfect plan in place. But what you can do is learn. And you can um, be open-minded like I've talked about. And you go with it, right? When you have when you have a, a, an incident that's taking place, if you have like a, um, a moment that's going on in your household, let's say this evening, where your, your walls are closing in, you're shutting down. Yeah, you can have a plan to um, minimize the effects from that. But when that plan fails you because your system, your, your, I don't have the science behind it because I'm a dumb, dumb bastard. But when your system overrides that plan, what are you going to do? 
A lot of people, they'll say, well, I'm going to count to 10 if I start feeling a certain way. But they can't even get to four and they're freaking the fuck out. Because internally, their body's going through something that you have no control over and they don't know how to handle it. So that plan goes out the window. So what are you going to do when that happens? That's when you need to adjust, shoot, move, and communicate, right? You need to adjust your situation. I'm not saying shoot the person that you're communicating with. That's just a thing we say in the military. Um, you need to move away from the situation that you're in. Okay, that, that could mean stepping outside of your home, getting in your car, just leaving calmly, sober, and communicate with the person that's involved. Don't ice them out. Don't communicate through screaming. Communicate like a sophisticated human being. Um, or I shouldn't say sophisticated, I should say civilized. Communicate like a civilized human being. Because a lot of times what happens is we get so amped up. And I know back in my my day, what I would get... I would get so charged up that my blood would literally be boiling and my words would turn into fucking venom. And you you can hurt people a lot worse with the things you say than you ever could with your hands. All the regrets that I have in life are from things I've said. Because it, you can't unhear that. You can't take that back. I've said some pretty nasty things to people and it's um I'm not proud of that at all. And it's one of those things I try to teach my kids, you know, like you ever hear choose your words wisely? Um you know, as I give my children advice, I'm also giving myself advice. But this is part of the growth process that I talked about. There is no playbook to this shit. There is no perfect plan to it. Best thing we can do is be aware of it. And the best way to be aware of it is to own whatever it is you're going through. To understand that everybody else is not the problem. You are definitely the cause of whatever your circumstances are, right? So if your circumstances, I don't know if I worded that correctly, if your circumstances put you in a shitty situation, the way that you react to that situation is all on you. And the way that you treat people because of that situation, it's all on you. It's not on anybody else. And oftentimes, we hurt those that are closest to us, especially with our words. But by owning our shit, by understanding that we are the problem, not them, hopefully, hopefully, that can minimize or reduce the amount of damage or collateral damage that we do to those around us. People are sheep. I've said this before. <laughs> ah, man, I wish people would just think for themselves, man. People are so predictable and easy to control. It's ridiculous. I just saw something that said a mandate referring to the masks. A mandate is not a law. It's, uh, it's when two men go to dinner. Uh, um, bump, boom. I was, I was at an event. You know how we used to control people in comedy clubs? Let me tell you how this, how we used to control people in comedy clubs and at corporate events. Check this out. It's this simple. People will do whatever they're told. And most people don't question. When we had a big room that we wanted to fill up from the front, from the stage to the back, all we would do is take a little piece of cardboard or paper 
and write the word reserved on it and put it on all the tables in the back. And so when people would come in, they would say, oh, we're not allowed to sit here. So they would immediately go and find a table that did not have a reserve sign on it. And then as they started filling up from the front to the back, we'd start moving moving the uh, little pieces of cardboard or paper one at a time. And then we, that way, because see, in comedy, nobody wants to sit towards the front because they're afraid they're going to get picked on. Well, when you're a comedian, you're trying to do jokes. It's kind of hard to have a connection when nobody's sitting up front. So that's how we force people to front. Hence, people are sheep. They do whatever they're told. I don't know why I felt the need to put that in there. I think maybe because subconsciously I know that a lot of people know what they need to do in life. But sometimes it just takes hearing, hearing it from someone else or seeing it done to convince them. Um, that's why I'm always encouraging other people to stand up and tell their story, to write a book, to do a podcast, do something because other people are dependent on you. Some people, they know the answers, they know what they need to do, but they need to hear it from someone else. And you never know how your voice is going to affect someone's life for the better. I'm just trying to be encouraging when I say that, like, I. I'm trying to find the appropriate uh, way to end this episode. I know we got a little off track there. I started out very, very tough, very hard, um, very energetic and at the starting line. And I feel like I'm fizzling out here towards the end. So I'm going to find a way to pick up this momentum. And I'm looking through my notes. And I'm reading some of the stuff about some of these stories I should talk about. One of them says, Big Girl at the Barracks and Brooks. Um, <laughs> one says, um, I'm going to fuck your mom and your dad. And then it has a quote with a guy's name by it from... Um, Someone I was in the Marine Corps with. <laughs> I got a, uh, there's one that says hot tub in Michigan um, with dudes. Um, they, dude, I got that. This Christian is crazy, man. Um, cracking eggs in the ass. There's one. Um, these are firefighter pranks now. I'm, I'm talking about Chief Buddy's first shift. We got all this stuff. So instead, I think I'm just going to end it by saying this. Two firefighters were butt-fucking in a smoke-filled room. And the chief walks in and says, what the hell is going on? What's all this? Give this man mouth-to-mouth. And the one firefighter says, I did, chief. How do you think all this shit got started? Yeah, that's that's how we're going to end it. So to give you some kind of idea of where that came from that's an old that's not my joke that's actually an old joke that was told on um many many years ago i forget the name of the comedian but it's been so long you can't google that joke anymore without a bunch of inappropriate stuff coming up so i was like ah oh, fuck i forgot how to tell this joke so i googled two firefighters butt fucking joke and i can't tell you what just came across uh, my phone so i figured we got to end this on a high note and a motivational note. And so for those of you firemen out there going through CPR training or whatever, cops wanting to be firemen, you know, whatever, think about that next time you're going through your CPR training, what that could turn into. Um, if one of your guys goes down, I'm just not goes down, but 
you know, listen, this is getting off the rails. I hope y'all had fun with this episode. This, you know, is a little lighter than the last few. I had to uh, pick up the momentum a little bit. So, uh, again, thank y'all. This is episode 43. Man, we're, we're, we're nine away from, uh, we're nine away from that year mark, baby. Thank y'all for being here. I love y'all.